I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Wait. Hold on a second. Why am I in in Tuesday's body? Uh, This feels weird. All right, hold on, hold on. We got to... We gotta flip the settings back. Hold on. Oh, okay, that's better. Oh. It was fun being a woman for five seconds. Yeah, you don't want to do it any longer than that, though. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are taking a look at Freaky Friday today, but. Before we get into that, we've got a lot of news, especially uh, as we are recording this. uh, The Emmy nominations got released today. Really good day for Disney. Especially Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus really raked it in. uh, And especially the Marvel into Disney Plus, shockingly. Yeah, uh, Mandalorian, WandaVision, Hamilton, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They all got a lot of nominations. We have a, we have the list of nominations here. Let's kind of go down the list. The Mandalorian for Outstanding Drama Series. Mandalorian getting a nod for an award as big as drama series is really impressive. I don't think any of us were really expecting that. Especially science fiction fantasy type of shows are not really the thing for the Emmy nomination committee. Like Star Trek never did. I don't think. Um, no, uh, not really. Um, and there's also another kind of, uh, there are three shows that you can really consider kind of genre shows on the list this year. Uh, actually four, excuse me. Um, The Mandalorian, Lovecraft Country, The Boys, and Handmaid's Tale kind of straddles it, being a dystopian, near-future kind of thing. But uh, the other three are very firmly genre shows. So, I mean, that's kind of fascinating. But yeah, uh, moving down to limited series, we, we got WandaVision getting the nomination. Uh, which I think is another shocker. I don't think any of us expected that. I, I mean, I don't think even S.H.I.E.L.D. got any any Emmy nominations that I remember of. You know, editing and and special effects and, and costuming and things like that. Yeah, but, but for the, 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 what I meant by the, uh, the show itself, like, yeah, having WandaVision. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it showed so many TV genres during that, that season. Yeah, Um. We uh, got a lot of uh, specific nominations for actors as well. So, a standing supporting actor in the drama series, Giancarlo Esposito for The Mandalorian. This one kind of shocked me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Giancarlo Esposito in general. Um, I do believe he's already received a, uh, an Emmy. I may be wrong on the, whether or not he received it, but I think he's at least gotten the nomination for... Uh, his previous work on Breaking Bad, he 
he is really just a powerhouse. And of course, he was so good in The Mandalorian. I loved him in this. And it's, he was just a perfect villain for The Mandalorian. Yeah, he is so good at what he does. So let's go down to outstanding lead actor in a limited series or movie as we get Paul Bettany for WandaVision. That one shocked me. Good luck to him, but his competition, two acting legends like Hugh Grant and Ewan McGregor. And you have two actors from Hamilton, one of them being Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, I don't think Paul Bettany's chances are very good. (laughs) I don't think his chances are very good either. I'll tell you, this is one of the categories that um, I've seen everything mentioned. While Hugh Grant was good in his series... It was a really, really awful series with a really, really horrible ending. They're giving it to him on the basis of his acting and not on the basis of the plot of that thing. It was awful. Skip it. Don't watch it. The Halston series with Ewan McGregor is also the same. Like, he's very good in it, but the plot itself, such as it is is a real snooze fest and horrible to get through. Um, If I were a betting person, which I am not, I would say it's probably going to go to Lin-Manuel. I wouldn't be surprised. Outstanding lead actress in a limited series or movie, Elizabeth Olsen for WandaVision. Yeah. um, Again, another shocker. Um, I remember when the show started, when, when, when we really got into the actual story bit of WandaVision and, you know, kind of took up and the sitcom stuff kind of took a back seat. Everyone was saying Elizabeth Olsen should get an Emmy nomination for this. And, and now she has. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. But again, her, 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 her competition is another acting legend in Kate Winslet. And Kate Winslet actually might get it. Um, the this Mayor of Easttown thing, uh, I haven't seen it, but everybody's going nuts over it, so that might actually be proper competition. And let's round let's round out that main cast. Outstanding supporting actress in a limited series or movie, Katherine Hahn for WandaVision. I want her to get that Emmy so badly. No dismint to any of the fine women on the list, but I really, really, really want Catherine Hahn to get this. It's it's one of those things where Catherine Hahn has been one of those workaday background actresses for mm-hmm. so long, and she finally got that really juicy part. And when that happens for an actor... You really want them to get that little bit of recognition, especially when they blow it out of the park in the way she did with Agatha. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. So let's move on to outstanding guest actor in a drama series Uh, of our Disney actors. We have Don Cheadle in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Timothy Oliphant and Carl Weathers for The Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, all three of these kind of surprised me. Especially since you know, I, I I get it, it's a guest role, so they're not in every episode. But Don Cheadle wasn't in Falcon and Winter Soldier that long, unless they're just giving it based off his name. Yeah, I, I don't exactly know how how the Emmys work mm-hmm. uh, on this level, but um, I know in the Oscars there is a screen time 
requirement mm -hmm. that you have to go over a certain amount of screen time before you can be credited as a lead. And so there may be a, a similar thing. Some, you know, there, there's a thing about which category you get placed in uh, for a lot of these things based on um, literally the minutes and seconds that your face is on screen. Mm. Speaking of faces on screen, you will notice that there is somebody uh, connected in the Mandalorian we haven't talked about. Uh-huh. You, uh, you want to go there now? Go ahead. Yeah, let's just go there now. Um, Pedro Pascal uh, did not get a nomination. And basically it's because they said he wasn't eligible because his face is not on screen. They removed him from uh, contention uh, because of the mask. The whole point of the character is the reason the actor isn't getting nominated. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which um, everybody basically uh, decided was a complete Richard move. Mm. Maybe he might get some, uh, I mean, this is, you know what, I'm not even going to laugh at it. I'm not even going to make the joke because uh, no, I don't think Wonder Woman 84 is getting any war nominations. <laughs> I mean, he may be up for a Razzie. You don't know. Uh, so that, that's such a disservice to him, though. I'm going to throw my hat in that one and say Carl Limbley for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, his performance as Isaiah Bradley. Heartbreaking. And he gets, gets snubbed. Yeah, and once again, it might be a time limit thing because as where you have to have a certain amount of screen time to be considered a lead, sometimes you have to have a certain amount of screen time to be considered at all, mm. even as a guest. And I don't know if he was on screen long enough to even be considered for an award at all. So good, good year for things that Disney owns. Mm. Are you ready to move on from Emmy talk? Yep. Uh, Black Widow came out uh, as we are recording this just a few days ago. Uh, Marvel's return to the movies. They made a big deal out of that. But it's also on Disney Plus if you don't want to watch it. I actually saw this movie in a theater. My first uh, movie in a theater in over a year and a half. It was kind of fun being back in a the theater again watching all of this. Uh, although it's been it's very clear that some people seem to have forgotten how to act in a theater. A lot of people with their phones out during this movie. Ugh. Which, yeah, I, I, I don't miss that. I think they forgot that before the Rona as well. Ugh. Yeah. Luckily, no one was really talking during the movie. Everyone was quiet up until... Uh, the post credit scene where everyone kind of understood what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let's just talk a little bit non-spoilery uh, uh, non talk of uh, the Black Widow movie. What did you think of it? Yeah, I I did the, um, the premiere purchase on Disney Plus, so I saw it in home environment. W worth it as well on Disney Plus. Um, I liked it. Um, a lot of people are comparing this to uh, like a Jason Bourne kind of movie. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. Um, it does sort of have that feel rather than a Marvel movie, um, mostly because the 
main character doesn't have superpowers. It's also revolving around a mystery about a character's past, which also is a main crux of the early Bourne movies. Yeah. Um, a lot of the fight choreography feels mm-hmm. very Jason Bourne, you know? Yeah. Um, very hand-to-hand. You know, there there's some gunplay and some, you know, they get some laser weapons at, at some points, but... It's very kind of real world, and it's what I like about it is it's it's not pretty. It's kind of brutal, not gory, but it it feels like a fight. Yeah. You know, um, at at one point, Black Widow uh, has to uh, change her shirt and you see bruises all on her back from the fight and everything and they feel earned Mm -hmm. like you you know you saw the fight where she got those bruises you know so you you know that this has been taking a toll on her florence Pugh steals the show as as yelena she is very funny and she fits right in i liked her yeah she is amazing in this movie she's a she, i know she was already a star beforehand but if they keep her around i mean in beyond what we already know her being in you have you know a, a, someone that could be with this franchise for the next 10 years yeah um and they really nailed a kind of sisterly relationship yeah you could totally tell that these two characters are sisters you know, they had spent at least part of their childhood together. They had that kind of rapport. You know, it it really did feel familial on some level. Even when they're making fun of each other. Yeah. It's like they're, that's a, a sibling dig at each other. And the comedy, I know a lot of people dig on the comedy of uh of the marvel movies but this works so well yeah and honestly it's why i prefer the marvel movies to the dc movies the, uh, honestly the dc movies are just so dour <laughs> so i i want that i want that bit of comedy you know mm-hmm. so uh i think our i think our uh our non-spoiler review comes down to recommend. Yes. <laughs> whether or not you feel comfortable going out to see it in a theater or staying home and watching it on Disney Plus. I wish it had come earlier. I would have loved to see this movie back in 2016. I would love to see this movie back in 2012. It's because, you know, you could have had so much more with the character of Black Widow before Endgame. I'm sad that what she got is almost too little too late. Yeah. But it does prove that she could have held her own movie at any point along the way. And it is kind of a giant middle finger to those who said she couldn't. And I'm glad that those people are gone now. (laughs) Let's get to our main feature. That would be the original 1976 Freaky Friday. Now, this is a movie that I saw many times. 
on the Disney Channel growing up. Uh, I know you did not have the Disney Channel until much later on, but uh, I assume they would air this on regular television as well. Yeah, and I think it's one of those that I kind of either caught on TV as a kid or maybe rented once in my going through Disney Classics phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I've seen it before, but it's one of those that just didn't stick in my head. And honestly, doing the rewatch, I can kind of see why. Spoiler mm. alert. Um, but let's, let's get into the, the background, I guess. Freaky Friday, based off the book by Mary Rogers, released in 1972. Sort of the same as the film. In fact, uh, Mary Rogers herself would write the screenplay for this film. Interestingly, though, the, her book was sort of based on an earlier book which was called vice versa a lesson to fathers which was an 1882 novel which is i guess a similar story but it's about a father and a son but she wanted to do like a a female twist on it um it is amazing how many times this story has been made into a movie including just recently as in last year i think bloomhouse uh, made this into a horror film yeah freaky with with vince vaughn in which a teenage girl and a serial killer switch bodies uh the book itself has had two sequels to it uh a billion for boris in which uh annabelle and boris find a tv that can get broadcast from the future and they try to use it to make money and a third book called summer switch which is the father and son switching over to summer but the idea of the body switch i mean how many movies have we seen that had that that notion 18 again vice versa like father like son dream a little dream does face off count Uh, maybe who knows? <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was a lot of them. Even, and Disney themselves would visit this four times. There's the 1976 version that we're about to talk about. There was a 1995 made-for-TV movie starring Shelley Long. There's a 2003 movie that most people might be more familiar with, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. And... Uh, Disney actually set this for the stage, made this a stage musical. Never went to Broadway, but it was a stage musical in the, uh, the early 2010s. But by 2018, it was remade a fourth time as a Disney Channel original movie that used the songs from the musical. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about this this premise that makes them keep remaking it. It's sort of a trope at this point. It's of two characters switching minds and living each other's life for one day. Yeah, to the point even now where Freaky Friday is just kind of the name of the trope. Yeah. You know, we we kind of use the the Freaky Friday 
um, as a shorthand for any sort of body swap plot. The the interesting thing is the best movie about uh, the best thing about this movie is the cast. Uh, let's get really, into yeah, let's get to the cast. Really good cast. This is uh, Jodie Foster um, as the the main character as the the teenage girl here. Annabelle. Um, legend now was just kind of starting her career then the big uh new face on the scene teen idol at the time we've got uh barbara harris playing the mother um she was uh on a lot of uh tv at the time and and such um a lot of TV actors in this are people who had made their careers on TV. Um, so the father is played by John Aston, the original Gomez Adams in the uh, original Adams Family TV series. Um, we've got Dick Van Patten, of course, legend. Um, we have, like, uh, Ruth Buzzy is in there. We've got the guy who played Al on uh happy days uh we've got mark mcclure who was jimmy olsen in the superman series um of films uh and also dave mcfly in the back to the future films uh we've got uh charlene tilton who was on the dallas tv series as Lucy Ewing. So, you know, a, a lot of these people were, uh, you know, if you were big into TV at the time, these were kind of household faces. Which was kind of Disney's thing during this era. Uh, you see Ron Miller's name attached to the credits here. Uh, during the 70s, they did a lot of TV actors, not just for their films, but for their animated films as well. We talked about a few weeks ago with with the rescuers using a lot of TV actors. I think it was part of their brand of being the family company. Probably. And these were people that you would see in your home every week. Also, they were likely cheaper actors to hire. That as well. <laughs> These were not their big tentpole movies, you know? Yeah. These were kind of the the cheaper uh, pictures mm-hmm. uh, to make. So um, this was a kind of a massive success, though. I mean, it had a $5 million budget, and it grossed $36 million. So this made a chunk of change back from its initial budget. And, yeah, Jodie Foster, again, becoming a major star later on, after making this movie, uh, she would audition for a small independent film called Star Wars. And she auditioned for the role of Princess Leia. This is one of the, this is a very famous story in Hollywood. But, uh, as we all know in, in, in history, the sacred timeline says that Carrie Fisher became Princess Leia. And the reason that happened is uh, after securing the audition and, and getting the part of Princess Leia, um, her uh, Jodie Foster and her mother looked over the contract and when the shooting days were going to be for Star Wars. 
And they conflicted with a movie that she had already been committed to, another Disney movie called Candleshoe. And because she had already committed herself to Candleshoe, she had to drop out of Star Wars. Oh, what could have been. That that would have been a very interesting uh, splinter in the timeline, I, I feel. Also consider that Jodie Foster was only 13 at the time, which would have made Princess Leia a lot younger than 19-year-old Carrie Fisher at the time. And much younger than Han Solo. Yeah. Much younger than Luke. Yeah. yeah. Would have changed the entire dynamic of those films. Yeah, really would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into the film. Uh, much like another film we've we've talked about, A Parent Trap, this also has an animated opening credit sequence. This one has a little bit of a cutout paper style animation to it, which is not bad, but very blocky, choppy kind of animation. Not the kind of animation that one would assume from Disney. Yeah. And... Uh, the theme song for this movie, I'd Like to Be You for a Day. I'd like to be you for a day. I'd like to climb into the dreams you hide. To know the... Not a good song. No, not really. This, this is oh. not going to end up on the Best of Disney's albums anytime soon. Or ever. <laughs> no, and... um. You know, I've started watching these movies with with a friend. Uh, thank you so much, Disney Plus Watch feature. Honestly, it's a great feature. If you got Disney Plus and you got friends far away, it really works very well. Uh, he and I were joking right from the beginning that if the movie took anything from the song lyrics, like if the song lyrics were reflective of the movie, this was going to be they just need to sit down and talk about it, the movie. Yeah. And and that's, you know, spoiler alert, that's what it ends up being. But, like, everything about this is, like, I wish I could be you because I need to understand you in a way that sitting down and talking about it just won't get... And I'm like, no, 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 that's what sitting down and talking about it is for. Like, use your words. And this song was up for an award, a Golden Globe. Why this song? Was was, was 76 really filled with that bad of songs that this is a song that's, that, that the Golden Globe people decided, yes, this is going to be our nomination for best song in a movie? Uh, I don't. Didn't win, didn't win, would go, that award would go to Evergreen by Barbara Streisand from A Star Is Born. Another movie that's had quite a number of remakes. Uh, Let's kind of go into it here. So we have... Annabelle, our main character, our, our, our teen, who is, has her, her very antagonistic relationship with her mother, Ellen. Uh, typical teenage kid, uh, Annabelle. 
she's a very messy kid, has a, you know, clothes all over the place and very, a very messy person in general. With her crush on the boy next door, Boris. And it's kind of funny how she describes Boris versus how he actually is. Like, he, she describes Boris as this very strapping man, and he's just this geek with a nasal infection. Yeah, it's it's very, very weird. And she, think, abs- she absolutely loathes her little brother because he's neat. Yeah, like, she's he's messy. very clean. Yeah, she's messy, and he's a neat freak. And she can't stand that. Yeah, and and I mean, she loathes him. It's it's not just like you're you minorly annoy me because you know you're, and it's not even like he picks up after her or chides her for being messy. It's just his the fact that he cleans his own room makes her loathe him. Yeah, and it's not really a, yeah, there's no, I think it's one of those, he is the little brother, therefore the big sister must hate him. I I don't know. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. She says later in the movie that she dislikes him because she's always getting in trouble and he's always praised for being perfect, but we never actually see that. We never actually see the parents doting on him and yelling at her. Mm. So we only have her word for it. And she's kind of an awful brat. So a lot of people in this movie are awful people. Yeah, this is in fact the 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 little boy is kind of the only person in this family who isn't just a little bit awful. That seems to be a trope of these 70s era Disney movies I'm noticing. Yeah. Is that almost everybody is a terrible person. Is this the Ron Miller effect? I don't know. Because we have... There is one clear villain in this movie, though, and we will discover who that is as we kind of talk through the... And it breaks my heart on who it is. It breaks my heart, but we'll get to it. Yeah, it breaks my heart on who it is, but yeah. So we have... So... Annabelle purposely gets up gets up late and uh, they make a big note that this is Friday the 13th because, you know, superstitions. So she purposely gets up late, misses breakfast because she doesn't want to eat her mother's cooking. And they have the argument that each other has the, the perfect, the perfect life, you know. Uh, being young is the best point of your, uh, best time of your life. Don't waste it. Oh yeah, all you do is stay home all day. I could do that. And how the argument just with seeing that the other person has a better life than they do and having the big argument uh, because we need conflict between mother and daughter. Otherwise we won't, we don't have a movie. So apparently this is not the first time this happens because Annabelle goes to the local diner with her best friend and gets uh, her usual breakfast of ice cream. Yeah. And we get that's a running point in the movie is that uh, Annabelle seems to only eat sweets, like or her favorite, really disgusting things. Yeah, 
Like she she eats the sugar the sugary cereal even though everyone tells that her she she's not she can't do she leaves she eats cold leftover macaroni and cheese. Just tuna and peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah. The other let's get into the other subplot that that drives the film. The father has a big presentation. Yeah, and he's just single-minded in this presentation. And whenever someone talks about anything else, he ties it back to this presentation. Such as Annabelle has a test today. Annabelle has band practice today. Annabelle has a sports game she has to do today. Oh, yeah, she has to go to the dentist because her braces are being taken off. But all Daddy Bill can talk about is, oh, don't miss the presentation because you are performing at my presentation because you're the best water skier in the town. Yeah. Oh, honey, I know you have to wash the clothes and bake dinner and you have to deal with all uh, with the the cleaning lady and all these people. But wash my suit because I need to wear my best suit for the presentation. Oh, by the way, we have a catering mix up. I need you to cater the entire presentation. Also, please wear your slinky black dress so that you're eye candy for the guys at my presentation. So, yeah, Bill, Dad, John Aston, Gomez Adams is the freaking villain of this movie, and it hurts. It, it is it is the worst. This movie is a series of escalating events for both of our female main characters because John Aston's character just keeps dropping the ball. And keeps calling one, either his wife or his daughter, to be like, hey, you can fix this for me in the next five minutes, right? And it's generally his wife. Occasionally it's his daughter. But 90% of the time he'll just call his wife and be like, hey, the catering fell through. You have three hours to cater a party for 25 people. Hey, uh, I know that you weren't planning to host anything anything in the house tonight and we're having a bunch of renovations done and all that kind of stuff but i'm bringing a whole bunch of people over for a cocktail party later hey uh you know i i know that uh whatever but you have to mend clothes tonight and you know it just it never stops throughout the entire movie and the whole time He's just like, thanks, babe, whatever, bye, and it just hangs up the phone. Humongous Richard is our father in this, in this movie. And like I said, it just hurts that it's John Aston Gomez Adams, one of the best TV dads ever. <laughs> yeah, he is absolutely the villain in this movie, who does not realize he's the villain. And honestly, I'm not sure the movie realizes he's the villain either. There is one point where Annabelle, in her mother's body, calls him a male chauvinist pig. But that's about it. Yeah, um, it it really is. Um, so do we want to get through the Mother's Day first or the or Annabelle's Day? Let's go through. Let's go through Annabelle as her mother, Ellen, first. So there, you know, Annabelle is complaining to her best friend about her mom. The mom is complaining to dad about Annabelle. Of course, dad is not listening. 
and they both say at the same time, I wish I could live her life for just one day. And that's apparently enough to switch their bodies because Disney magic. And it's instant. It is completely instant. As Annabelle, who at one point is eating a spoonful of ice cream, is now smoking a cigarette from that her mother has. And she rightfully freaks out. This actually is teased earlier in the scene where the other patron of the diner is smoking a cigarette in front of her. And she just pushes that ashtray as far away from her as possible. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, during the course of the movie, we get absolutely no um, no reason for why they ever switch places. Maybe it's for the best. Other of these type of movies give a reason, whether it's a magical artifact or they wish on a star or something like that. But this one is, they just say it out loud and then it happens. No yeah. reason, no rhyme, which, uh, you know what? That actually is a point in this movie's favor because we don't really need that in this film. The interesting thing is that in the book, in the original book, um, Annabelle ends up in her mother's body and quote-unquote Annabelle, as in the, the body of Annabelle, goes missing. So everybody is looking for missing Annabelle. Um, and so Annabelle in her mother's body is like trying to find her daughter. Um, so that she can get back to her own body. Um, and you find out at the end of the book that it was actually Annabelle's mom the entire time that somehow, again, we don't know the exact mechanism, but she caused the switch to keep, to teach Annabelle a lesson. She's a witch. Um, witch. Yeah. Apparently Annabelle's mom is a witch in the book uh, or something. Um, and she uh, switched places. So we never actually get to see what the mom is doing um, during the day. We only see it from Annabelle's perspective. If it was a more famous actor playing the mom, I could have seen them going directly in that in that route. Y yeah, but um, I I think the um, I think that Disney always would have wanted a kid um, entry, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah. And this movie plops back and forth, back and forth between the two. So let's just, uh, and, but yeah, that, that is way too complicated for what, for what we want for this kind of podcast. Yeah. So Annabelle is now in her mother's body. And she originally freaks out, even trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, ends up calling uh, her father daddy, which this was a joke that I never got as a kid. But I get it now. Because apparently uh, daddy, uh, the father here, uh, seems to enjoy the fact that his wife is now calling him daddy. 
He is way too into it, and it is really gross, <laughs> and it made me feel awful, and I do not like it. Please make it stop. You never called me daddy before, and he's smiling, and it's like, as a kid, I didn't get to that joke. And I don't even think they knew that was going to be a joke. Please, please stop. No, please stop. It's, it's so bad. But so bad. A, yeah, so he's off to work, he, and he says, hey, uh, press my suit, fix my clothes, get my, shine my shoes, get all my stuff ready for the presentation. And he's off to take a little brother to school. At the same time, you have the cleaning lady and all of these other people who are doing renovations on the house, and they all want to get paid. And, and and Annabelle doesn't know how to do a lot of um, basic adult stuff. She doesn't know how to write a check. She doesn't know she how doesn't, to turn the washing machine. She doesn't know how to do the washing machine. Um, ends up kind of flooding the part of the kitchen with soap suds um she doesn't know how to drive a car um so uh she doesn't know how to put on makeup she tries to put on her mother's makeup uh and false eyelashes and things like that doesn't end up working she doesn't know anything about cooking um so, you know, it's it's just the, the normal day-to-day things. She very quickly learns that uh, her mother has a lot of housework to do, a lot of errands to run, um, a lot of uh, things to oversee, as in there's a lot of workmen coming to the house and, and things like that. So, yeah, let's, let's put this out here that uh, Annabelle's mom is a housewife. There's nothing wrong with housewife, but considering this is 1976, the economy was in a place where that could happen. But Annabelle quickly learns that the the life of a housewife is not as easy as she thinks it is, which is kind of her her lesson, as it were, throughout this movie. And she learns that housewife is also a job. Yeah. I mean, it's an unpaid, thankless job, but it's actually a job. She realizes that there is child care to be done. There's still housework to be done. She has to pick up the little brother from school. There's home management to be done. Mm -hmm. There's cooking to be done. Um, She's, you know, uh, got, she ends up uh, ruining her mother's dress and she doesn't know how to mend it. Um, she ends up so, ruining the the cooking that she both teach you, that she's supposed to do for this presentation because she doesn't know how to cook. Yeah. So I mean, it's it is a good kind of uh, home economics lesson. To the point. Yeah, to the point where she has to call Boris, the neighbor boy, be, to like, hey, uh, we're out of dog food. Do you have any dog food? Uh, Cat food will work. My dog will eat anything. Well, it is kind of a disgusting scene because she figures she's going to call Boris over and dress up kind of sexy as her mother and then talk up 
Annabelle herself uh, in her mother's body. But then we find out that Boris kind of has a crush on Mrs. Andrews. Annabelle's mom has got it going on. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little icky. Yeah. Considering that Annabelle is a 13-year-old girl and we find out that Boris is at least 16 or at least 15 because he says he knows how to drive but doesn't have his license yet. Yeah. Um that's not the thing I'm worried about, but that we have this 15-year-old boy getting sweet on a 35-year-old woman. Yeah, he says something about he wishes he was 20 years older. Yeah. So that he could be with Mrs. Andrews. Um, but, yeah, the... The only bright side in all of this if there is a bright side is she just actually under begins to understand her little brother more because again, she has to pick up her little brother from school and they actually have that heart to heart conversation. And it was like, you know, why do you think Annabelle hates you? And we, we get this whole very touching scene from, from the little brother. Oh, sorry, what, what, what is this brother's name? Ben. Ben. So uh, little Ben here, he's saying, you know, I try to be like her, but she doesn't want anything to do with me. You know, I try to make my mess, but the housekeeper keeps cleaning it up. I try to be more into stuff that she's into, but she won't give me the time of day. I want to hate her, but I love my sister. And it's in that moment where Annabelle in her mother's body kind of gets it in a way. Like, yeah. you, you could see her kind of, oh, my, I've been so cruel to this kid, and all he wants to do is play with me. And it's like, it, it, it's like the scene from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like, you just wanted to win. I just wanted a sister. That's Ben. Yeah. Um, and there, there's a nice little scene where uh, they play baseball together. Mm-hmm. And they eat kind of junk food mm. and stuff. You know, it's it's really nice. But the the other good thing that happens for Annabelle is uh, the mom has been called in. One of the things the mom had to do that day um, at the beginning of the day was she was supposed to go talk to Annabelle's principal. And Annabelle didn't know anything about this. Um, but she gets a call that she's late for the meeting with the principal, uh, which surprises Annabelle. Like, oh no, what does the principal want? Um, but she goes in her mother's body to meet with the principal and she finds out from the principal and the teacher that Annabelle is actually really smart, um, and very capable but, you know, she's been having problems at school, behavioral problems. And the teachers don't really know how to relate to her and get her to focus and stuff like that. Um, and that they're wondering if there's problems at home. Um, and so 
it's the first time anybody's told Annabelle that she's actually intelligent mm-hmm. and capable. And just that little bit makes Annabelle think like, oh, I could actually do really well from in school. Yeah, and we see Annabelle at least as she at the beginning of the movie, we see that she's a great athlete. As she's a like she, we we find out at the beginning that Annabelle has just been named the captain of her field hockey team. So she's great as it in terms of athletics, but she doesn't apply herself to academics. And all she needed was someone to tell her you can do this, and that seems to be enough to to push her in that direction. Yeah. That's a lesson anyone can learn. Just encourage people and they can do more than you can ever know. Um, the, uh, the day kind of, uh, tends to spiral downward, though, as the father keeps calling and putting more and more stuff on who he thinks is his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up firing all of the household help because it turns out that, like, the housekeeper is a drunk who keeps drinking all their booze and everybody hates her. And uh, apparently the mother had just been keeping her around out of a sense of obligation and kindness. And the rest of the family hated her and she was a really bad housekeeper. So Mm -hmm. Annabelle actually does the thing the rest of the family had always been wanting to do and actually fires her, which makes the family very happy. There is one funny moment. It does involve the dad is that when uh, Annabelle, as her mother, calls calls her husband and he says, "Okay, you you fired the housekeeper. Fine. Fire the the gardener. You fired everybody. Did you fire the dog, too? Yeah, um, but the day just keeps spiraling out now, mostly because uh, good old father there, Bill, keeps loading more things onto his long-suffering wife to do, uh, not even thinking about how it's going to to affect her. And Annabelle is correct when she calls him a male chauvinist pig. Boris is there. She gets Boris to come over and help. Uh, Because apparently, uh, yeah, Boris apparently is the only person that she knows that knows how to cook. Even though he only knows how to cook one thing, which is chocolate mousse. Yeah, but he's trying, and he's trying to help babysit Ben. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, uh, towards the end of the film, tries to... uh, drive them or at least help Annabelle as her mother drive towards the um the presentation the presentation at the marina yeah um we're going to switch over now to uh Ellen's day in Annabelle's body so yeah, she as as uh, as we mentioned, she starts her day smoking a cigarette, and now she's stuffing ice cream in her mouth, which she finds apparently dis- the most disgusting thing in the world. If shoving ice cream in your mouth is the most disgusting thing in the world, I am sorry for you. Well, it does sound like a really bizarre flavor combination of ice cream. Mm. 
It was like rum, raisin, ripple, banana, something. It was a really bizarre flavor combination. So I kind of get it. Yeah. And she tries to tell people that she's not Annabelle, but nobody believes her. In fact, all of Annabelle's friends said, oh, yeah, let's pretend to be our mothers today. And then they just walk around insulting their mothers. (laughs) Yeah. Which really makes Ellen very upset. And we see that Ellen doesn't seem, uh, you know, going to school shouldn't be so hard. And then Ellen kind of screws it up. There's a typing class and she ends up shorting the entire room out by plugging Although, in. Although, I'm going to say that this, the 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 electrical fire and the shorting out all the electric type writers that was on the school because they have like 14 typewriters kind of jury rigged into a single outlet using like a whole bunch of extension cords and stuff. So that was bound to happen. Yeah, and then she plugs, like, one more in. And granted, she should have seen the sign that says out of order and everything. But if you look at that outlet, it is already overloaded. And even if she'd have plugged a functional typewriter in, it probably would have overloaded the circuit anyway. I'm surprised the circuit hadn't already blown. Yeah, and then she goes to her film development class and... They're already developing the film, and um, if anyone knows anything about developing film, once you open that door and let sunlight into it, the films are ruined. On top of that, she turns the main light on. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I messed up, didn't I? Uh, Bye. (laughs) She messes up with uh, band practice. Again, obviously, she doesn't know the routine, the marching band routine, so she's kind of lost. Doesn't know the song. So she says playing random notes on this on the xylophone that she's carrying. Even the, the, the band instructor setting, do you even know where you are? No, I don't. <laughs> and of course, because Ellen is not really much of an athlete, they end up losing the field hockey game. Not because she's bad, but because she doesn't know which goal is hers. Ends up sinking the 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 ball into their own goal and losing the game. Though there's a nice little moment in there where she uh, she's just about to quit the game out of frustration, and then <laughs> the other team calls her a coward and says, "My daughter is not a coward. Give me that broomstick. Game on." <laughs> well, here's what I want to know about this game. What in the world is going on with this game? I mean, it's is hockey. there no referee. It's I mean, only... yeah, it's hockey, but <laughs> even hockey has a referee. It seems the referee duties is falling on the two coaches. Which they're not doing anything because this whole game is just people beating up on Ellen as Annabelle. It's just the other team just wailing on her with sticks and nobody stopping it. Yeah. I mean, all they're doing is just beating her up on the field and 
the op- opposing team coach just being like, yeah, get her. And nobody stopping it. It feels like <laughs> like Annabelle's field hockey thing could be a movie in itself. Mighty Ducks before the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. It's like... I wanted to be like, where are the adults? But they were apparently just standing on the sideline calling for blood. So, And on top of that, uh, Annabelle's getting bullied at school. As Ellen sees there are a couple of boys that are teasing her because she has braces on. And then they throw garbage on top of her. For being too smart in class. But then the other class uh, makes fun of her for being too dumb. Yeah, bullies don't have to make sense. Well, no, I mean, and this was the most realistic thing in the movie because Ellen, in her thoughts, says, well, you know, one class made fun of me for being too dumb and this class makes fun of me for being too smart. How am I supposed to win? And I I made the note of it during the movie that that was the most realistic thing in the movie, like, that was exactly my experience of school, you know? Yeah. If I right. stayed quiet in one class, I was the quiet idiot who never said anything. If I spoke up in another class, I was the know-it-all, you know, chatty Kathy who never shut up. So you can't win. Yeah, you, You're you going to get bullied either way. Ellen also seems to dislike Annabelle's uh, the way she presents herself, her attire, her hair, everything about her. So, in her, so she has a, she hatches this plan to change up Annabelle's look. It's but, time for a makeover. Yeah, <laughs> but she needs money to do that. So she doesn't have any money of her own. What does a girl do when she needs money? She goes to daddy. So she goes to daddy's uh, office to get her credit card. It seems like he would not do this for his wife, but would do it for his daughter. At least that that is the assumption I've gotten. So she goes to her father's office and is... Immediately jealous of her of uh, dad's secretary. Who is. uh, Is this provocative for 1976? Well, the way that she's walking and the way that she. Is talking about him at first. I think it's supposed to be suggestive, but also it's a Disney family movie. So yeah. they're trying not to be too suggestive, you know? Yeah, so Ellen in Annabelle is immediately jealous over the fact that his her husband has a much younger, much more provocatively dressed secretary that speaks the world of him. And she puts the fear of God into the secretary, talking about how much of a badass her mother, uh, Ellen is. Trying to, and it kind of works, because immediately she's wearing this big old raincoat over her clothing, 
Her hair's tied back. She wears these very thick glasses. And this is the only time we ever see the dad, Daddy Bill, notice anything. Like, what happened to you? Why are you dressed this way? Is that a red flag or am I imagining things? Well, yeah, because at first he was, he's like very familiar with her. He's like, you know, he's calling her by her first name and whatever. But by the end of the scene, he's calling her by her last name. He's treating her in a more formal manner. Mm. So I think we're supposed to. insinuate maybe that something was if not going on maybe starting but also the dad implies that oh she's having some problems she was telling me about you know her husband and her kid to which ellen is now feeling guilty over berating this this woman but i think that we're supposed to get the the idea that Things were heading that way, maybe. Mm. That that Bill wasn't probably unfaithful yet, but that both of them were intending it to end up that way. Possibly. Like I said, if if she's having if the secretary's having marital problems and the, the Annabelle's dad is at the office all day, they see each other. Yeah, something could yeah. happen. But Ellen kind of nipped that in the bud as soon as she could. She uh she gets the second uh the dad gets the secretary to sign a note saying you know giving Annabelle permission to use the credit card and uh Ellen first goes to the dentist gets the braces taken off and then goes on a shopping spree you know gets uh, gets her some new clothes excuse me mm. goes to the salon and gets her hair done. And she looks like a completely different person. Almost like this is the Annabelle that Ellen wants her daughter to be. Versus the Annabelle that Annabelle wants to be. Yeah. Gets her nails done and everything. Facials and all that stuff. And she but, doesn't look... Go ahead. Well, yeah, it, do, it doesn't look bad. But it doesn't look like Annabelle either. Yeah. This doesn't look like the athletic... Tomboyish, yeah. Following the entire film. Um, but, you know, we don't really have much time to, uh, you know, revel in the makeover as her friends show up and say, we've been looking for you all day. Why didn't you tell us where you were going? We have to get to the, the event at the Marino because we're the water skiing team and you're the star. And we have to go water ski for your dad. And Ellen goes, oh, poopy, I forgot that we have to go water ski. Uh, and I don't know how to water ski. And Help. she, yeah, and she just tries to talk to her dad. Like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I don't want to do this. Look at me. Look at my eyes. Do I look different to you? Trying to get her, 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 her husband to see, I'm not Annabelle. I'm your wife. Please look at me. <laughs> And he's just oblivious of the whole thing. And no, no, no. We agreed on it. You're the star. Here, put your skis on. We're supposed to do the thing. You know, I, I don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Fine. 
Let's talk about this. You know, we'll 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 work it out here. Hold this. Hit it. Which is a completely Richard maneuver. And at this point, he's basically trying to get his daughter killed. Pretty much. Because even even somebody who's really, really good. I mean, he he already said she's the best in the state, has apparently won competitions and all that kind of stuff. Um, Even somebody who's really skilled. You don't do that to somebody unprepared. Yeah, you can get did, them killed. He immediately okay. hit that, that when that boat revs up and she goes off that that uh, that pier. She is not prepared for it at all. She's not informed because there's a form you have to take when you get when you get when you ha- are on skis that she's not in. Uh, yeah. Um. 1976 green screen effects, not that good. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, why, obviously, this is not Jodie Foster uh, skiing. It's a stunt person. But when, And when they do uh, close-up shots, it's very obvious Jodie Foster on a green screen. However, the uh, water ski stunts are very good. You know, the long shot uh, stunt performers are really good. Yeah. Um, the rest of this movie, uh, from this point on, when um, Annabelle as her mother and Ellen as Annabelle, uh, either get into the car to go to the marina or gets sent on water skis into the water. Uh, From this point on, it's a slapstick sequence split into two things. Um, It's very... um, Very few people are going to get this reference. Very Keystone Cops. Yeah, it's very Keystone Cops. It's very... Kind of Herbie the Love Bug. Yeah. Uh, the car sequences are very Herbie the Love Bug, um, that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's very you know they're on a collision course with wackiness. You know it's it's that kind of thing. Um, so there's not really a lot to talk about in this. It really is just a bunch of visual gags. Um, they make the wish again as you know, Annabelle in Ellen's body is driving. Ellen and Annabelle's trying to jet as trying to ski, and again they make they both make the wish. I wish I had my body back, but it doesn't go the same way as it did before, because instead of the mind switching, it's now the body switching. So suddenly, Ellen in her own body is now skiing, and Annabelle in her body is now driving. And the uh, silly hijinks continue as uh, Bill and all of his uh, investors now watch Ellen now in her body, you know, as they go, isn't that your wife? And Bill is trying to cover as he tries to figure out how his wife in her formal black slinky gown has gotten on water skis. And eventually a paraglider um, through, you know, various hijinks. 
um, doing and all Boris these. Is wonder- Boris and Ben are trying to figure out how how did Annabelle end up behind the wheel of the car when Ellen was just there a minute ago? Yeah. Um, but, you know, they go through all these, you know, there's a car chase with the police and there's yeah. all these really impressive stunts that Ellen keeps, you know, accidentally making her way through and it's funny and very impressive, you know. Um, and Bill is horrified, but all of his investors find it hilarious. Um, Annabelle somehow evades the cops and ends up at the marina just in time to see her mother land in the water safely. And they hug and make up and, oh, I love you so much. And I'll never call your life easy again um and they all end up uh back at home getting dried off and getting changed annabelle and boris have now decided that they're going to date annabelle has decided to treat her baby brother uh kindly uh and bill has landed the big uh account and is now going to work on a new account with a Japanese motorcycle firm. Uh Ellen and Annabelle somehow have a better relationship and Ben and Bill have started having a fight about who has the easier life and they start saying Oh, I wish I could be you for a day as the two women in the family go, oh, you don't want to wish this. And then they kind of make a wish as everybody goes, no. And that's how the movie ends. (laughs) And the moral of the story is. eh? The grasses are always greener on the other side. I think the moral of the story is uh, Ellen needs a better husband. Yeah. That is the only moral I was able to take from this movie. Because Bill is just the worst. Like that he puts so much responsibility, unneeded responsibility, onto his wife because he's constantly screwing things up at his job to the point where, uh, like we mentioned, is almost about to sleep with his secretary. So you kind of feel it for, for, for Ellen having to go through all of this. At all, at all points of the day, her husband's calling, hey, uh, get my suit done, get this, cook for all of my office mates, do and, and host a cocktail party afterwards. It's all this is, and this is, yeah, this is one day. One day. And yeah, maybe Bill does need to learn how to be a kid again or something. Maybe, yeah, he never really learns his lesson in the entire movie. No comeuppance for Bill kind of being a complete Richard to both his wife and daughter. I mean, Annabelle learns that she's smart. Apparently, one of Annabelle's morals is pretty yourself up for a boy. Which I'm not particularly fond of. 
uh, Grease came around out around this time, right? Yeah. Um. I I don't really know what changed between her and her mom, other than maybe she has an appreciation of the housework and and stuff that her mom does, mm-hmm. which is nice. I mean, have an appreciation of domestic work that gets done and how important it is no matter who in your house does it mm-hmm. um that's an important lesson but I, I mean i guess maybe the mom learned that her daughter does have stresses on her life that she hadn't been taking into account yeah, not not just schoolwork, but like it's sports, band, and her bullies. Yeah. Um. But but also maybe uh find a new husband or go to couples counseling or something. Mhm. Cause yeah, I think most of this this movie is is down to Bill. If Bill had not had did not put so much pressure on Ellen as uh, Annabelle as Ellen, then and also Annabelle. Yeah, I mean a lot of Annabelle's stress was that he kept saying like, you know, his partners wanted him to hire professional uh, entertainers and stuff like that, and he just made like Ellen and her, I mean uh, Annabelle and her friends do it. Yeah, this movie would have been a lot shorter and a lot more simpler if Bill had just not involved his wife and daughter in in, in his presentation. Yes, it's very, very bizarre. Annabelle will still have to deal with, you know, the the, the housekeeper and all of the house uh, house people and probably still had to deal with with, um, you know, picking up Ben at school and all that. And yeah, uh, connecting with 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 Ben would have still happened, but the pressure of cooking and and getting to the 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 marina would never have happened. It's just okay. This is done now. I gotta wait for mom and my body to come home, and we'll figure this out. And then for for Ellen, just getting through the day of school, and her day would have been would have ended after the makeup uh, the the makeover. And then she would have just gone home and then headed out with with Annabelle over what was going on. But yeah, whether this movie intended it or not, Bill is the villain of this movie. Everything that goes, majority of the thing that goes wrong in this movie is because of Bill. And he's completely oblivious to everything. Yeah, um... So let's let's ask the question. Does Freaky Friday 1976 have the magic? No. Yeah, um I'm I'm going to I'm going to say no. This is um, one of those movies that that does not hold up after all of these years. I mean, I respect it for sparking kind of a cultural 
you know, thing. It's, it's one of those things that, like, you know, it, it's a trope namer and, and that, that sort of thing. But it's not really clear on what it wanted its characters to learn and how exactly it wanted it to learn them. Uh, hopefully they refined it a bit in the later movies. I don't know if I ever saw, I know I did not see the musical one. I don't remember if I ever saw the, um, the, the, Lindsay Lohan version. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if I ever saw the Lindsay Lohan version. I don't, I don't think I ever saw the Lindsay Lohan version. So, um, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll visit it one day. Uh, if, but, if we ever start getting to the remakes. But right now, I I don't really feel like going through this story again, so I, it's not going to be anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, this this one just did not hit for me. I mean, seeing it, if you're a Jodie Foster fan and you want to see her in one of her earliest films, then yeah, it's at least worth watching once. But other than that, pass it by. Uh, are we done? We're done. All right, let's move on to next week. Uh, we are still staying in the old school era of Disney. Uh, this is a movie that uh, we've wanted to talk about for a while. Bed knobs and Broomsticks. Uh, I don't remember if I ever saw this one. Yeah, I I definitely didn't see this one. And when somebody told me uh, what one of the plot points is, I was actually mad that I've missed this one because it has one of my favorite things in the world, Nazi punching. <laughs> yeah, and Angela Lansbury out of Disney Legend. Yeah. So I can't uh, can't wait to get to it. So come back next week and we're going to do us some Nazi punching, everybody. With magic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, come back for Bed Noms and Broomsticks next week. And uh, we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.